I'm just thrilled this evening to um, bring Stephanie on. I know that she's going to be a great inspiration to everybody. But how are your niche interviews going? Do you have any questions about that or anything you want to share? Are you getting some of the languaging of your your people? Um, you know, anybody want to share about that? I got plenty to share. I'll keep talking. I, <laughs> I kind of get tired of hearing myself speak, but I do have something I want to share tonight. If you don't have anything you want to share, I'll share something. Or maybe what I have to say will instigate something, a discussion, because there was an article that um, uh, Harv Bishop wrote this week. I don't know if any of you saw it, but it was posted on the listserv. And it said, you know, religious science biggest revolutionary or evolutionary. You won't believe who it is. And it's really a story about Ernest Holmes that I loved. And so I want to just tell you about it Um because the story, he interviewed, uh, Harv interviews um, Obadiah Harris, who was an evangelical uh, preacher and was converted to science of mind by Ernest Holmes. And the last two years of Ernest Holmes' life, he found a new passion, and that was teaching the works of the famed Indian sage Sri Aurobindo. So he was excited about this, and... He was fascinated with him, and he did not, you know, he didn't keep it to himself. Because, as, And I'm telling you this because I realize this has been what my practice has been like. You know, I was a good, absolutely good religious scientist, and I find this with most practitioners that we really try to follow the rules and try to stay really in that container of what a good practitioner is in my center or in the science of mind organization. And I think, too, that we are being called to expand out of our centers and within ourselves. And how our practitioner practice looks, it's really about our spiritual growth. It really is. And so this is what happened. He um, really experienced divine joy beyond his sunny um disposition because he had earned the name happy this is ernest holmes and harris is talking about him you know and and holmes said when you find a divine joy in life that is imperious to sorrows and channels you will find your immortal spirit so holmes missed his wife who at this time had already passed on and there was sorrow but he found a capacity a secret capacity for joy he could laugh at anything in an appreciative manner and so when a board member approached him and said to him, this is from founders, and you know, he was kind of reluctant to bring an organization together in the first place because he was just a collector of all this wonderful stuff. And the board member was upset. This is in the 60s, 1960. He was upset with Holmes for teaching classes based on Orobundo's teachings and his writings as opposed to teaching only lessons found in the science of mind. Ernest, the man said, this class undermines the church. He went, in, he went on to give several reasons why teaching Aurobindo's work in a religious science church was not appropriate. And Holmes stopped him with one sentence. I want you to hear this. <laughs> he said, I am the church. I love that. I love that. Of course, the church was formed around him, but... I, I want you to take this empowerment, okay? Because Ernest Holmes was a revolutionary. He wasn't 
you know, his embrace, this is, this is what Harv says at the end, it is invigorating to remember the evolutionary fire that burned at the center of home soul. His embrace of Aurobindo's evolutionary spirituality, his soul-to-soul connection with Harris, then an innovative evangelical preacher who had never heard of science of mind, among many examples, demonstrates an openness we can learn from today. And so I'd love to hear, if you want to comment on this, I would love to hear what you have to say about this. Because to me, my practice has changed and moved and grown by the movement of my spiritual growth. I'm teaching classes on the company of heaven now. I haven't asked my ministers, which I have two of them, Reverend Michael Beckwith at Agape or Reverend Grace Lovejoy, if it would be okay if I taught these classes. I don't feel like that's necessary. I feel that as a practitioner, I have the divine right to flow with what was given to me in my studies. In my five, It took me five years to become a practitioner and to take what I know into the world in the way that it's coming and growing to me. And he was open on at the top. So it it flows into what you are working on and and that's why I think it's so great to start where you are with you your transformation and what brought you here and as you begin working with those beautiful people that are on your niche it's great because they're going to start forming through you where they're growing to and you're going to be still growing with them you're going to just continue to be like one or two steps ahead of them really so, let me hear from you. Anybody want to speak? Jane. Hi. Hey. How are you? Hi. I'm great. So, so I have not done an interview yet um, because I'm really still developing my questions. You're not to develop your own questions. I'm glad you mentioned that. Oh. Just take, take. The questions you might have to just move one or two words around, but let's let's look at this for a second, okay? Let me ask you some questions, okay? Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's let's go again into what your niche is, okay? And as we're talking once again, I may be complicating this as a form of avoidance. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so my niche. <laughs> so let me let me re- I'll read to you my quick. Let me find it really quick. My my statement so people know. I support people who are grieving the loss of their pet by guiding them to a place of comfort, peace, and recovery. Okay, perfect. All right. Okay. Comfort, peace. Okay, and I want you to memorize that, my friend. Yes. So I thought that I needed to tailor the questions to that. Okay, so... I, do you, are you looking at the questions now on page 17? I am, yes. I am. Okay, so so you're going to be interviewing people that have already lost a pet and are grieving. So does mm-hmm. anybody come to mind? Well, either have – yeah, probably the people that, have, that I'm going to interview have already lost their pets, yes. So, you know, right. I've got several right. people. Um, and I've got my list of people. I've got, you know, sisters and friends and neighbors. And, you know, so take my sister, for example. Okay. Who lost the dog, and it was very devastating. All right. So when it when it you know sister of mine, when it comes to grieving your your lost love pet, mm-hmm. I want you to just let me be your sister for a minute, okay? 
And I want okay. you to go ahead and ask the questions. Just start with what's your biggest challenge? Oh, okay. So I mean, okay. All right. So when it, when we're talking about, you know, I know how much Dusty meant to you and how, what a how hard it was that you lost him. So, um, what um, so what have been some of your biggest challenges that you faced in 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 losing Dusty? And so I'll get to express what my biggest challenges is and how it was for me not to to know some places what to do, and you're going to be writing every single thing that I say down, okay? Okay. And the biggest mm -hmm. challenge was that I had nobody to take me through it spiritually. Now ask me okay. the second. Okay. So what, did, what were your biggest concerns? Well, I'm concerned that I'm just going to keep grieving and I'm not going to get over this, and I'm just going to, you know, it's. I know some people think it's crazy because it's just a pet, but it's a big deal to me. Mm-hmm. So what worries you? Um, that I'll never get another pet. That I'll just, you know, stay in the cycle of, of being so sad. I, I never thought my heart would break this much. Okay. And so how do those challenges affect you? Um, I'm really depressed. I can't get out of bed in the morning with my usual vim and vigor. I just feel like, you know, just want to lay down and die. Okay. So what is the cost of not having – okay, so this is where I want to all have to tweak. Um, what is the cost of not having a practice that you want? Um, so what do you um, – so, so go into this. What is the, what is this, oh, what is the cost? So pick up what I've said so far. Mm -hmm. So what is the cost of being depressed costing you? Being mm -hmm. in grief, you know, just keep coming back to your your ministry here. Okay. What is so the cost is, of? Go ahead. Sorry. Well, it just well, I would say something like it sounds like there's still a lot of really, you know, like you're not emotionally you're not complete with this, and there's still a lot of um, there's still a lot of upset and a lot of depression. So what what is that cost? You know, what is the cost to you that of having these? Um, of still having these feelings of sadness and depression. Wow. Well, you know, it's taking up a whole lot of room in my life. It seems like, you know, every day um, I can't get things done. My business is kind of falling apart. Um, my my relationship with my loved one is, you know, we're fighting like we never have before. It's costing me quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, and what would you what would you want instead? You know, I just like to find some peace. I just like to find some resolution here. All right. Um, I want to start into what are you most proud of? That's what, so again. That's why I got stuck with these questions because yeah, ask me that. I think it's a great question. Ask me that. Well, what do you? Okay, what are you most proud of? You know, I am so proud that I love this animal fiercely and that I let this animal become a big part of my life and that I think that I learned every lesson that that he had to teach me. Mm -hmm. Okay, and what excites you? Well, not much right now. Not much, but um, if I could just think about what excites me, I think it would be to move move on. 
Okay. And what do you wish would just go away? The pain in my heart. Okay. And what do you want more of? You know, I want some more support. Um, I feel like I haven't really taken care of myself in this. I haven't taken care of what I what I need. I'm just been kind of just festering in this in this sadness. I don't know. I don't really know what to do, but I feel like I need to do something. Mm-hmm. And what do you think would help you get it? Well, maybe I could, you know, go to Agape's bereavement um, on the third Sunday afternoon, and maybe I could, you know, I would probably just give some suggestions here of what I've heard of and haven't done yet. Mm-hmm. Okay, so on a scale from just 1 to 10, how motivated are you to do that, to have that? And on this question, I'm going to say this. Mm-hmm. This is, too, where you want to bring back, like, what you want instead, you know. So on a scale of 1 to 10, how motivated are you to be really in a place of peace? So you want to bring it back to what they said you wanted mm-hmm. instead. That's what I find out is really valuable here. And the last two two questions I don't think would be imp- appropriate for you right now unless yes. you're specifically talking about a memorial or a mm-hmm. you know a particularly kind of of program, but right now you're just trying to get some languaging to speak to your peeps. Well, would it be because I obviously you know I mean they know why I'm calling them. These are all practice. Would saying to them would it be beneficial when you were going through this process? Would it be beneficial for you if you had some kind of ceremony or ritual where you could really just take the time and honor the memory of your pet and get, allow yourself some closure? I think that would be great to have that as maybe your closing question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then how much would you have spent to have that? Because you're not going to be interviewing people that right now are in crisis and their pet their pet yeah. is in, you know, has 24 hours to live. You can't do this. But, but I think that's a great idea, Jane. See how amazing you are? Just came right through you. (laughs) Just ask that question and then ask, you know, what's the maximum you would spend to have that kind of support? I don't think the time would be, uh, you know, relevant to you. So in doing doing this process, honestly, I mean, I was having a hard time keeping up. Um, And maybe my my son, who's way more textual than I am, I mean, is there a way of, does anybody know, is there a way of while I'm talking, recording a phone call so that I can go and transcribe it later? Yes, I do. I do. Um, I use Audio Acrobat. Okay. And they have a number. But I have. I think that I speak quickly, and we're we're in a kind of a time frame here. But you will find that people don't usually speak as fast as I do. So okay. just do what I just do is longhand. I don't try to type it out. I just do longhand on a piece of paper. And mm-hmm. um, but Audio Acrobat, you have to record it by you know you can't kind of set it up to record before you get on. You could say, do you mind if I record this? Then they have to hold, and you have to go uh, sign in and and uh, ask it to record and then come back. 
So mm-hmm. I do record some of my sessions. Some some of my clients really like that, and I do offer that to my clients. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of them like to come back. So, um, but I think just just from what I've known is that I just write, especially the very first thing that they say because they haven't censored themselves yet, mm-hmm. and just do your best. I don't think you're going to have as much trouble as you think because I do talk fast. <laughs> So you really think that I should really use these questions, other than the couple that we tweaked, I should really... Absolutely. These are NLP questions, okay? Okay. And so they have been specially designed. They were given to me, and they're very effective. So stick with them. I'm going to also tell you this when we get to the template for the free consultation, that at first I really want you to stick with what's been given to you because they have been given to you in a very uh, particular order and manner. And then you'll okay. see how they work and what doesn't work, and you'll mm-hmm. be able to use some that you like, some that you don't. You'll just be able to let them go. Okay. So for the 10 okay. interviews. Okay. Well, I'm glad yeah. I asked because, again, you know, I think I've, I've said this before. I, You know, I can um, get distracted by thinking I have to, you know, reinvent something. I mean, it's just a distraction. So I'm glad I asked. That's no, I'm, yeah, I'm so glad you asked because I'm sure somebody else might have had that question as well. Okay, thanks. You Beautiful. Thank you so much. Yeah, I mean, you know, just as you get more and more clear about your peeps, these questions are going to find their beautiful place and uh, – just ask them, you know, I mean, I, I like to ask all inanimate objects. So what would you, you know, according to my niche is, how would I say this? And you're going to get very clear about that. It's not going to be tough, hard at all. 